Mikalina Lewandowska, 27 years old and a young mother, was tasered with a stun gun multiple times. She was then bound, gagged, and shoved into a cardboard box. Her one-time fiancé, Marcin Kasperzak, taped the box closed and attempted to murder her by burying her alive. Then Mikalina, incredibly brave and strong-willed, escaped from her shallow grave in the woods by slashing her way free from her bindings, using the engagement ring she continued to wear in the hopes that she and her lover could reconcile. This is Twisted Travel and True Crime, and I'm your host, Sandy. Welcome aboard. Just a quick heads up to any new listeners, I do live and record on a sailboat. The sounds you hear in the background are the sounds of waves and water against the hull of our boat, or sometimes there are little critters munching on the hull of our boat. I hope you find them enjoyable. Returning listeners, thank you so much for coming back. You are truly appreciated. Today's case takes us to the UK. When most of us think of the UK, we probably think of the royal family or the castles and important historical buildings. It's also home to several amazing and talented famous people, from Shakespeare to the Beatles to David Beckham, J.K. Rowling, and some of my favorite podcasters, Hannah McGuire and Sruti Bala, the hosts of Red Handed. There are a couple interesting things I'd like to share with you about the UK. For example, there isn't a single point in Britain that is more than 75 miles away from the coastline. We likely know that British love their tea, but did you know that over 165 million cups of tea are consumed each day in the UK? When it comes to drinking, tea isn't the only thing on the menu. Alcohol is commonly consumed in small quantities by children. They have a drinking age of 5 years old and children consume alcohol at home and other private areas. In today's case, Michalina Lewandowska, young but not a child, was petite, brown-haired, brown-eyed, and sharp-featured. She fell in love with Marcin Kasperzak in Poland. They were both in their early 20s. Marcin was dark-haired and dark-eyed, but he was big. He was an aspiring bodybuilder and looked the part, big and burly. I imagined him wearing one of those cut-up t-shirts or tank tops, you know the ones that barely cover his nipples in order to show off his arms? If you've been in a gym, you know the type. They were both young and in love. Nothing could pull them apart. Perhaps Michalina was attracted to Marsan's muscles. He had the type of body that many women find attractive. It was the early 2000s when she finally decided to bring him home to meet her parents. Things were getting pretty serious at this time and she wanted him to make a good impression. The couple had met in a shop near her parents' home, so it wasn't very difficult to set up the meeting. Her father, Jan, was 52 years old, a welder, and believed himself to be a good judge of character. He felt that Kasper Zak was trouble from the moment he met him. Jan said there seemed to be something strange about Marcin. He said, I knew something wasn't right about him from the start. He didn't make eye contact. Jan believed Marcin to be spoiled and overprotected. He thought maybe it was because Marcin was an only child, and in Jan's opinion, a mama's boy. Hindsight is twenty-twenty, but if he could have seen ahead to what was coming, he would have ended the young couple's relationship that night. Plans between the infatuated duo progressed, as they do. 
and eventually they decided to move to the UK together. Marcin asked Michaelina to marry him at this time. They moved in with Marcin's parents, and it wasn't long after they moved to the UK that Michaelina became very pregnant with their son Jacob. Marcin had secured a job in a meatpacking factory, but missed his time working out at the gym. Life was too busy now between work, his parents, Michaelina, and their pregnancy, so he resorted to using steroids to achieve the gains that he wanted. He enjoyed spending time at the gym, felt and saw the benefit of the steroids, and he enjoyed looking at the women at the gym. While his wife grew bigger and curvier while growing their baby, he grew bigger in a different way and spent more and more time at the gym. Eventually, he began to make small tack with the fit women there. His muscles were growing, but other symptoms of steroid use were emerging as well. Steroids can also increase aggression, anger, and violence in some users. This may have been true for Marcin because his relationship with Michaelina was beginning to fall apart. He became less attentive and caring. He gave her and their baby less and less of his time. They passed like ships in the night. Marcin told Michaelina that their relationship was boring. They soon decided to call off their engagement, but they remained a couple. Michaelina continued to wear her engagement ring because she loved Marcin and was hoping they would be able to work things out. Time went on, three years in fact, and things had only gotten worse. It finally became clear to Michaelina that Marcin was not interested in mending their relationship, and eventually Michaelina told him that she was unhappy too, and she wanted to move back home to Poland with their son Jacob, who was now three years old. Marcin was now 25, and Michaelina 27. Marcin maliciously told Michaelina that she was not as good-looking as the women he saw in the gym. He wanted to hurt her feelings, and he did so successfully and regularly. He made it clear that he was thinking about starting a relationship with another woman, and he changed his Facebook status to single. So when Michaelina decided that she wanted to leave, most of us would think that Marcin would be happy to let her go. This was not the case. Michaelina began making plans. She was saving up her money and mentally began thinking about what details she had to plan for, what she needed to do to get back to Poland, and to be able to take care of her son as a single mother. When she pulled up her big girl panties and began to take control of her life, Marcin began to see he couldn't have her anymore. He also realized his son would soon be far away from him. Marcin didn't like that Michaelina was making plans on her own. He wanted to have his cake and eat it too. Michaelina sensed this change in him, but it still came as a surprise when Marcin suggested that they go shopping together. He had made arrangements for his mother to take Jacob out for the day so the two of them could go shopping together. That morning, Michaelina was getting ready. She was finishing up her makeup when she heard Marcin's 17-year-old friend Boris arrive. She came out of the bathroom to find them waiting for her. She believed Marcin's shopping trip to be a last-minute attempt to get her to stay. Marcin was standing there and smiling, sort of an odd smile. He told her that he had something to show her. He reached down into his pocket and pulled out a taser. Then he told her evilly that he was going to show her how it worked. He shot out his arm, pushing the stun gun up against her neck. She felt the massive electric shock and agonizing pain she threw her body. 
He dragged her to the floor and kept holding the taser to her neck. She was screaming for him to stop, but he was too strong for her. He pushed her to the floor and put his knee on her chest to keep her from getting up. Michalina was five feet five and 133 pounds, or 60 kilograms, while Marsan was six feet tall, 224 pounds, or 101 kilograms. Obviously, she couldn't fight back. Marsan then ordered Boris to get a roll of packing tape. They bound her up by taping her wrists and ankles and then tasered her once more with a 300,000 volt stun gun. Now I haven't been tased and I hope I never am, so I had to do a little research to find out what happens when someone actually does get a shock like this. I learned there are two different types of tasers. One delivers an electric current when it's pressed against the person and another fires barbs into the person with the high, the electrical current travels through the attached wires. It seems like the one Marsang used was the first, which was an electrical stun gun. It hits hard and fast and can completely incapacitate someone. What a victim typically feels is a total loss of muscle control and the inability to move anything for a brief period of time. One person described it as a shooting, excruciating pain that shook his brain like a peanut in a jar. Another person said it felt like bees were crawling through her skin. Tasers are relatively safe and are usually used for people who are not obeying commands. It was originally thought that the devices could be used with impunity because they immobilized a person without causing permanent damage, unless someone gets tasered in the eye. Researchers found over time and with more widespread use that serious consequences and even death could occur in certain groups of people. They also found that some people who are tasered become agitated rather than immobilized, and they enter a state of excited delirium. Most of the people who have this type of reaction have a history of psychiatric disease or have cocaine or other stimulants in their body. There are some reports of alcohol having the same effect. The deaths that have occurred from a stun gun typically have occurred after multiple shocks. Luckily, Michalina did not die from the shock she was given. She lay there unable to move, feeling the effects for quite some time. The men left her balled up on the hallway. Marcin later stated that the stun gun didn't have the effect he thought it would. Michalina was not completely paralyzed. Nevertheless, she was terrified and she agreed to do whatever he wanted. She said that yes, she would leave, and yes, she would leave their son Jacob with him and his mother. But that wasn't enough for Marcin. He wanted her out of the picture completely. Her attackers left her for two hours, but eventually Marcin came back and dragged Michalina into the kitchen. He put a gag in her mouth, then forced her into a large cardboard box. He then proceeded to tape it closed. At the time, Michalina thought it was some sick joke and that they were just having some fun by scaring her. But as time went on, she knew that wasn't the case. Part of the reason she believed it was a joke was because she had been given a sweater to put on. She was told that this way she could be warm while she was in the box. It's hard to imagine that anyone would think being tied up and tasered was a joke. Perhaps his anger had been taken out on her, mentally and emotionally, in the past. Perhaps part of her reaction was because her mind was trying to make sense of what was happening to her. It was so unbelievable, so unexpected, that she must have rationalized that it could only be a joke. Trapped inside the box, 
She couldn't move. She was terrified that she would lose consciousness, and if she did, would she ever wake up again? She heard the men talking about plastic bags, and she was filled with terror that came with the thought that they were going to put the bag over her head and tape it up. She knew that she would suffocate. She was feeling lightheaded already and fought to remain conscious. Marsan was berating her the whole time. He said that she was hopeless, that he hated her and had for over four years. He insulted the way she looked, talked about the women he had met at the gym, and lamented about how worthless she was. He then taped her mouth closed, but before doing so, she asked if he was going to kill her. His emotionless response, that he was going to take her away somewhere, and told her not to be scared. The calm demeanor in which he spoke to her scared her more than anything else. He was too calm. Michalina had been tied up now for over two hours. Her neck was in agony and she couldn't move. She couldn't fight him. All she could do was lay in the box docilely and wait for a chance to escape. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Eventually, she felt Boris and Marcin picking up the box. They put her in the trunk of the car. The two men drove cried a while and then stopped. Her panic increased when she felt the box being lifted out of the trunk and dragged along the ground. There was just a thin barrier of cardboard and tape between her and the ground. She felt the pain of the rocks and stones scraping across her back as she was dragged, and then a small bit of relief when the dragging stopped. What she heard next was probably the most terrifying sound she'd ever heard in her entire life. It was the sound of the man she had once deeply loved digging, and then dirt was being thrown on top of her and the box. At this point, she began to panic. Full-on, earth-shattering panic. There were two handholds in the cardboard, so she knew she could breathe for the moment. She realized she had been dumped like trash into a pre-dug hole. When the men began to shovel dirt down on top of her, it took everything in her power to remain calm. Eventually, the earth started to fall through the air holes. The dirt was in her hair, her clothes, and all over her face. The feeling was panic-inducing and suffocating. She thought of her son and prayed. The thoughts of Jacob and her desire to care for him and to be a part of his life for as long as she could kept her calm. She took slow breaths, relaxed her body, and conserved oxygen so that she might survive long enough to find an opportunity to escape. She waited calmly and quietly for the two men to leave. She was scared that if she made any noise, tried to fight back, or tried to get out of the box while they were still there, she would be killed. Perhaps Marsan would hit her with a shovel or beat her to death. She waited calmly as she could until she heard no more sound. Then she waited some more. She believed she waited for about half an hour, trying to hear the sound of a car leaving, but she couldn't hear anything at all. She began to move, slowly, 
straining herself to get her hands free and to remove the gag. The weight of the dirt on top of her felt suffocating. Eventually, with grit and determination, she was able to pull the tape off her mouth. She used her engagement ring to cut through the tape on her hands. She started screaming, God, please save me, help, in the hopes that someone would hear her. She really thought she was going to die, that no one would find her, that she would never be found in that cardboard box deep in the damp earth. She said, I started tearing at the cardboard. I was clawing at it and digging with the ring and ripping at it. The earth kept falling in. I felt weak, but I kept going. And once I had a hole in the box, I pushed up against the earth and was finally able to push my hand. She pushed the dirt to the sides, then forced her head out of the hole like a zombie. The total time sealed in the cardboard box was about an hour, and about half of that time was buried underground. Luckily, Marcin and Boris had been lazy. She had been buried in only about four inches of dirt, but a large tree stump had been placed on top of her as well. When she was finally able to force her head up and out of the earth, she finally felt a sense of relief. It was now dark, but she could see the sky and the branches and the trees. She said, I gasped, and I took a huge gob of air. I was covered in soil. I was so tired, and I had no strength left, but I knew I had to get out. She forced herself all the way out and staggered out into the woods. She stumbled through the woods and trees to a road where she stood in front of a passing car, forcing the motorist to stop. She immediately called the police, and in her statement she said, quote, During the, my time inside the shallow grave, when I was buried alive, I feared that my life was at an end. I thought I was going to die. She went on to say, I prayed to God to help me survive so that I can look after my young son. The thoughts of my son gave me the strength to fight my way out of that box and save myself. While Michalina was digging her way out of the grave, forcing herself to go beyond what she thought she was capable of, Marcin and Boris went on a shopping spree. They had taken one of her bank cards, gone to the bank, and withdrew about $500 worth of her money. When she could have been dying, suffocating slowly and agonizingly, they were enjoying an evening out on her dime. They were laughing, talking, and acting as if nothing had happened. Officers arrived within 15 minutes of her phone call. She took them to the woodland spot off of Wilson Road, where they had discovered the grave and the cardboard coffin. Police quickly apprehended Boris and Marcin. In the immediate aftermath, McLena's question was, how long will he be jailed? Because she wouldn't feel safe if he was free. As time marched on, she would have nightmares that Marcin would come back and find her and kill her. She wanted him to be locked up in a safe place for as long as possible so that she and her son could try to have a happy life. She said, for many years, I loved Marcin Kasperzak very much, but after his horrific attack upon me, my feelings toward him have turned to hatred. My only hope is that he can accept that what he did to me was very wrong. I really hope that no one else will ever experience what I went through on that day at the hands of a man I loved and trusted. Marcin was later interviewed and he admitted that he had hated his girlfriend and no longer wanted to live with him in his parents' home. Just breaking up with her apparently wasn't enough. He wanted their son, too. Incredibly, 
he didn't actually want to take care of their son. Instead, his plan was that his mother would take care of Jacob. It appeared that the attempted murder was done out of spite, and perhaps in a sick way, an attempt to please his mother to keep her grandchild close to home. During his trial, his defense was that he only meant to scare her. He claimed he always intended to free her. Boris was cleared of attempted murder by a jury, but he pled guilty to kidnapping. Marcin admitted to possessing a prohibited weapon, but still pled not guilty to premeditated murder. Michalina's father believed the conflict between the two of them got worse and worse, but there were no reports of domestic violence. He at first believed that what happened was either because the muscle-building steroids messed with Marcin's brain, or Marcin went crazy for some other reason. He now believes that Marcin's motivation was greed. He wanted to take Jacob away from Michalina to punish her for daring to leave him and to give Jacob to his own mother. His father said it's pretty sick when you think about it. The jury found Marcin guilty of kidnapping and attempted murder. He was sentenced to 20 years. Michalina's mother spoke to the press. She said, I'm so happy with the verdict because for me it means peace at last. I was waking up at night having nightmares in which I saw Marcin's face. He was haunting us like a ghost. Michalina stated, Marcin wanted me dead and planned to kill me in the most horrific way imaginable, but I was not going to let him succeed, and using my last bit of strength, I clawed my way out of that grave. Now he's the one who's in prison, and I hope he rots there. I hope for Michalina and Jacob that they can stay safe, healthy, and happy. Jake would be about 13 now. Can you imagine having to have a conversation with your child about something like that? I imagine she struggles to find the right words when he asks about his father. So that is the story of Marcin and Michalina, who is an incredibly strong, amazing, resilient woman. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's case, please give the podcast a nice rating and review. I'd like to thank a couple of listeners who have already done so. Thank you to Laurel V, who says Twisted Travel and True Crime is a great podcast. I'd also like to send a huge thank you out to Jordan, boy mom of three, who wrote Perfect Storyteller. I love listening to your podcast. The soft voice is lovely, and it's nice to hear a good story that I normally wouldn't get to hear. The background information is unique and intriguing. I have referred other people to the podcast already. Great job. Thank you so much, Jordan Boy Mom of Three. I'm a mom of three boys, too. I bet you have your hands full. I'd also like to thank Tammy C. for her contribution to the podcast. You're the bomb. I appreciate you very much. Listeners, if you haven't subscribed yet, please do so. And if you'd like to contribute to the podcast, I'll gladly accept your money. You can give a monthly or a one-time contribution. There are links in the episode description where you can go to do that if you are so inclined. You will also find my sources there as well as links to social media. Please feel free to reach out to me and let me know how you think I'm doing. Or if you have any ideas for future episodes, please share them. You can reach me through social media on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok or by email at twistedtravelandtruecrime at gmail.com. Thanks once again for listening, and to all of you, I'd like to wish you fair winds and following seas.